My name is Jason, one of the staff team members here at Rise Church, and we're so glad to have you here. Uh, If you're a guest with us, we welcome you. One of the things that our pastor always says, uh, Pastor Aaron always says, if you're a guest with us, we encourage you to try us three times. Everybody say three times. Because you never know uh, if Pastor won't be here a week. You want to try it three times uh, to get the full experience of what Rise Church is as a spiritual family. Try us out three times. We're so glad to have you here with us. And we have a special member of our spiritual family uh, with us here this morning. Uh, I was sitting in first service, and it just he gave us a great word. And while I'm sitting in first service, Pastor Matt, I promise this is what happened. My phone sent me a notification from Facebook book, and it says, uh, you've been awarded a badge as Pastor Matt Benson's top fan on Facebook. So... I promise that's happened. That happened. I was I was na- uh, your t- I was a top fan on your church last week. And let me tell you about uh, the church that Pastor Matt pastors. It's called Grace Creek Church in Longview, Texas. And if you saw anything on the news in the last few weeks, uh, Longview went through a little. Uh, you know, high winds came through there, knocked out all the power in the town. Uh, and you know, how many of y'all are appreciative of air conditioning right now? Imagine the heat, sans air conditioning. Right, that's what their city faced. Uh, refrigeration out. They fed over seven thousand meals to people in the hot meals. The people in their community had a cooling center, charging their phones. That's important too. Charging uh, generators. They were a blessing to their community. And on top of that, uh, the last two weeks we've been at high school camp and middle school camp and leading the worship for all both of those weeks was Grace Creek staff and team members leading production. Both. Of those weeks, Grace Creek. I mean, they were taking pictures. They had his whole staff was there. I'm like, how are y'all doing all this and all that back at home? Uh, insanely generous. I've known Pastor Matt just as long as I've known uh, Pastor Aaron, and I know Pastor Aaron's known him longer than that. He has believed in our church. Uh, we are here today because of men of God like Pastor Matt Benson, who invested into the church before you were even considering this church. Uh, He knew about it, and uh, God spoke to him, and he spoke to our pastor, and uh, they've been a blessing. Uh, His whole family, his whole church, I love your staff, love their generosity. So would you stand on your feet and welcome Pastor Matt Benson as he comes and shares with us. What, What an introduction. I hope I can live up to it. Man, it's such a joy to be here in San Antonio at Rise Church. I just echo what Pastor Jason just said. We love this church. We loved it before it was a church. We were praying for you before you were ever even here, and it's a joy to be here. Um, Every time I come, I'm just amazed at what God is doing in and through the people of Rise Church. And uh, I got a few things I want to say before I jump into my message. The first one is I just want to say I don't feel like a guest here today. I feel like a part of the family, maybe even a part of the team. They certainly treat me like I'm a part of the team. It's awesome. I tell you, the hospitality that me and my family receive anytime we come to this house is just over the top. It makes it so easy for us to say yes. Hey, yeah, we'll come to Rise Church this weekend. And so I want to say thank you to your team. And let's just honor your pastors for a second. Pastor Aaron and Erica, man, they're amazing people. We love them dearly. Come on, let's give it up for them. Come on. So good. So good. The second thing I want to do is introduce you to my family. I think I have a picture. How many of you know God's been good to me? Come on. 
God's been good. God saw me and said, we got to help him out. We're going to have to give him a Latina. Come on, somebody. Help him out. Come on. And so this is my wife here in the middle, Miss B, and, and my daughter, Lexi. They're down here at the front with me. Let's give it up for them. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And then my, my two boys, Max is my oldest, and then McKay. They're both uh, in uh, Dallas today serving at Milestone Church with Pastor Jeff Little. I know you're familiar with him. He's my pastor as well. And so they'd be here, but they're serving Jesus at their church today. Come on. So it's a big deal. So good. Finally, the last thing is, um, let me address my accent, because some of you can't even hear anything I'm saying, because you're trying to figure out where I'm from, because that's the strangest Longview accent you've ever heard. I know. I was born in Manchester, England, uh, and I came to God's country as fast as I could get here. Uh, I have been in Texas. In fact, San Antonio was the first place I ever came to in the United States. So America, for this English boy, is San Antonio. It is. We love it so much. 24 years ago, me and my wife honeymooned on the Riverwalk. Come on, somebody. So good. I love this city, and I love this church again. Pastor um, just said a second ago about what happened in Longview a couple of weeks ago, and I just want to say thank you to you too, because it wouldn't have been possible for us to reach our region the way we did, and it was a big deal. It really, really was. Probably one of the most significant weeks of my life in ministry was that last week, and, uh, and we couldn't do it without the generosity of people like you. Pastor Aaron called me, and he said, I'm watching what's going on. How can Rise Church help you? And you guys sent us some resources right away, and so... Yeah, thank you for your generosity. When you give here, I have nothing to gain from this other than helping you. This is good ground to give. This is good soil to give because they not only bless the people of this region, but you guys blessed our region as well because of your generosity. So thank you for that. Give yourselves a big hand right there. So good. Well, it's summertime. Uh, I left Dallas yesterday at a crisp 94, 95 degrees. And I got out of the car down at downtown, Mi Tierra, come on somebody, last night. And I nearly fell over when it was 105 degrees when I got out of the car. I'm like, oh my God, it just takes your breath away, you know. And, uh, you know, kids are out of school. We've got camps and people are wondering, okay, well, it's kind of, should we go to the lake this weekend? Should we go on vacation? And anytime you slow down just a little bit, your mind can kind of kick into a different gear. And you start thinking about your life. You ever had those moments where you just, out of nowhere, you have the thought, what am I doing with my life? You know, you start thinking about your purpose. What am I here for? That's what I want to talk to you about today. And I want to show you that Jesus has a lot to say about life. He has a lot to say about purpose. And there's a, there's a more fulfilling version of the life, maybe even that you're living, that's available to you. And I want to see what the Bible says about it today. Because I believe that your life can be filled with a, with a supernatural sense of purpose, fulfillment, and significance. And I think a lot of you in the church world, you probably get that. But they, the question becomes, I hear you, Pastor, but how do I get there? How do I get there? What does it look like? It's kind of like a phone. Does anyone have an iPhone I can borrow? This one. This one's powerful. I borrowed this last service. You were ready. You were ready. It's like this phone right here. You guys have a phone? I don't know if you know this, but there's more computing power in the palm of my hand right now than all of NASA had in 1969 that they used to put a man on the moon right here in the palm of my hand. That's a lot of power. Now, in the palm of my hand, it's not putting anyone on the moon. You know what it's doing in my hand? It's really just three things. 
phone calls, text emails, uh, internet, social media, and it's really a portal, a personal portal to Amazon.com in, in my hands, right? You know what I mean? Think of how much potential is in the palm of my hand, and it really, all it does in my hand is those three things. I have more power right now in the palm of my hand than NASA had, and they put a man on the moon. I'm, all I'm doing is checking my Instagram and posting stuff and hashtag Rise Church is the best church in San Antonio, things like that things like that. What's the point I'm trying to make here? The point is, if you want to understand the purpose of something or even the full potential of something, you have to ask the designer. And I don't know Steve Jobs, but you know, he's, I don't think he's around anymore. Come on, somebody. Or, or at least read the manual in order to understand the full power and the full potential. Through trial and error in the palm of my hand, I can figure out a few things, maybe a few tips and tricks to impress my kids with. Come on, I'm not that old. I can figure a few things out, a few things out. But in order to get to the deepest power and the deepest potential, you got to get to know the one who created it and, and the original intention of the thing that's in the palm of your hands. And it's the same with our life and our spiritual journey. And at some level, all of us are in this gap, if you like, between what we were created for and what we're actually doing and what we're actually living. And we all ask ourselves questions at different seasons of our life, questions like this. Well, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Here's one. Does my life really matter? Maybe you've asked yourself this summertime, man, if I didn't show up here at this church or at my job, would anybody even notice? Would anybody even notice? If you're getting a little bit older in your years, maybe you've started to ask the question, has my life made a difference? What's it all been about? What's it all been for? Here's one, if you're younger, does my life have any purpose? What am I here for? Why doesn't God just tell me what my purpose is? I have some good news for you. He does tell you what your purpose is. You just gotta slow down enough to hear him and to listen to him. What if I'm good at something, Pastor, and, but that thing that I'm good at doesn't bring me joy? Does that mean I'm not called to do it or I am called to do it? I'm just so confused. I don't know. And I want to say to you today, no matter what your background is, no matter what your situation is, no matter what your religious experiences are, we all at some point wrestle with questions like that. And then life goes on and you fix or don't fix the questions and, and then a new set of questions comes up. It's like in different seasons, new sets of questions. B and I, we're about four weeks, five weeks away from being empty nesters. It's a big deal. They're not off payroll yet, so it's not real. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like the, pre, the preamble to being off, uh, you know, empty nesters. But I know like for stay-at-home moms or dads for sure that have spent all their life with these kids and now they're all gone. It's like, what, what do I do now? Does my life matter? My kids are grown up. What am I supposed to do? Now, does my life still have a purpose? And then I've got three young adults in my house. We have a thriving young adult ministry at our church. And I know that young adults wrestle with this question probably more than anybody. Because every day they're trying to figure out what's the next step? What's the next step? What do I do with my life? And I'll hear things like this. Well, I know what God's called me to do, but no one believes me. No one believes me. Why can't they see what seems to be so clear to me? They're trying to self-define. That's what's happening. I see it all the time. 
Well, what if I'm, I'm called to do this, but pastor, it feels so far away. How, how do I get there? What do I do in the meantime? And I want to tell you something. Those questions, they're common and they're okay to have. Did you hear me? It's okay to have. God can handle your questions. He, he actually welcomes your questions. Our challenge is the people of God, and I am talking, if you, if you don't know Jesus today, you kind of get a pass on this statement right here. I am talking to those of you that say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Our wrestle needs to become uh, the challenge, if you like. How do I work through those questions in a God-honoring way, in a healthy biblical way? Because we're defined by the Word of God, not Google. We're... We're defined by the word of God, not like what our friends say or what social media says. And so I want to help you see what Jesus says about it. And I believe you can walk out of here today with a new level, a new measure of understanding the significance in your life, the potential in your life, because God has placed it there. Gosh, and he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. If you've got a Bible, you can flip over to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screens here in just a second. As you're turning there, Jesus had just sent out 72 of his disciples, his followers. And uh, these were regular, ordinary, everyday men and women that Jesus entrusted in that moment with the work of the kingdom of God. If you're a church history person, this is a historical moment in the life of the church. It's a significant moment. And it's a clear picture that God can and will use anybody, anybody that is willing, okay? It's not for the select privileged few. It's for anyone that says, God, I love you and I'll serve you and I'll serve people. God says, I can use that. So these people, they come back after being out doing these things that Jesus sent them to do, and they're starting to tell Jesus about all the amazing things that they did and saw, and Jesus is celebrating with them. And and then a religious leader comes into the scene, a teacher of the law, the Bible says, and and this person was what the world would look at and go, that's the right kind of person. You know, if you want to be right with God, that's the right kind of person. He comes from a, you know, a privileged background. He's, he's, a, he's a priest. He's a, he's a, he's, he knows all the laws. He's living all the law. He looks right. And so the crowd would have assumed that this guy, he's righteous. He's godly because of the way he lived and the way he was uh, dressed even. Their appearance would have spoken to the crowd. And so this guy comes to Jesus. We'll pick the story up in verse 25 of Luke 10, and it says this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up, watch this, to test Jesus. To test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The undertones being, I already live pretty good. What does someone like me have to do to get what you're offering? Okay. Well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And the teacher said, well, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Oh, and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. So this teacher, he's testing Jesus Because he's got all the outwardly right things going on in his life. And he's hearing Jesus talk about inheriting eternal life. Well, what do I have to do? What does somebody like me have to do? 
And I want you to remember something when you hear me or your pastors talk to you about salvation and eternal life. It doesn't simply mean you'll live forever. It's honestly, it's as much, maybe even more about the quality of your life here as it is the quantity of life that you'll have here or in heaven, okay? And so the truth is we're all looking for quality of life while we're here. Anybody? Okay, good. I just want to make sure I'm not by myself. We're all looking for a quality of life. Jesus said to the man that was asking the question, I want you to see what he said. He said, do this and you'll live. Do this and you'll live. And so Jesus isn't just answering his question. He's teaching him a fundamental truth about how he was designed and about how you were designed and how I am designed. And all of us find a new measure of significance and a quality of life that we've not experienced before, watch this, through loving God and serving people. Loving God and serving people. And you just can't get it any other way. You really can't. And it's so countercultural because our world doesn't teach you this. We're taught in our world not to think less about ourselves. We're taught to focus more on ourselves you guys hearing me? We're taught, okay, obsess over what you want. You do you. You take care of you. Get what you deserve. Listen to me. It's a trap. That's the way of the world, not the way of the word. Not the way of the word. And, and I like to say it this way to people that question God's plan, God's purposes. What's my purpose, pastor? You'll never be outside of God's will for your life. If you're loving God every day and you're seeking to serve people and build his kingdom, God will make sure you get what he has for you. And so Jesus is telling this teacher, if you do that, you will live. You'll get everything God has for you in this life and beyond. And if you've not heard this before, maybe you're a guest here. If you're a part of this church, I know you've heard it because I know you're a pastor. But let me just say this to you. You matter to God. You matter to God. And all throughout scripture, God is best seen and described as a father, a loving father that loves his children. He loves you. You matter to him. And I don't want you to leave here today without understanding that, certainly without hearing it. I think some of you maybe are here or watching online today just for this moment. God loves you. He sees you. You matter to God. As we're talking about purpose, the Bible really has three or four givens when it comes to purpose and what Jesus says about it. And I want to give you a couple of these real quick. If you're taking notes, you can write these things down. It'll help you later on. Number one, number one, to know your purpose You've got to know your creator. Like it goes back to the iPhone. Like I know what to do a little bit, but if I really want to drill down and put a man on the moon, I better get with someone that knows what's up or knows how it was designed or knows the computing power that's in there. It's the same with your life. God knows you better than you know yourself. He has plans for you that would blow your mind if he was to reveal them to you right here, right now. Pastor Jason, in the communion moment, talked about how sin separates us from God. But let me tell you something. God loves you so much that he did everything necessary to bring you back into relationship with him through the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, So understanding your purpose 
really starts with knowing who Jesus is. You got to know your creator, number, number one. Number two, you are uniquely designed by God. You are unique. Unique. You are not. Hear me. Everyone say not. How about this side of the room? Are you guys here? Everyone say not. Okay, good. You are not an intelligent amoeba that crawled out of a primordial soup. That's not who, you, that's not who I am. I am a son who was fashioned by a father who loves me, sees me, and has good plans for me. Everything about me, everything about you has been carefully fashioned, intentionally fashioned. You are not an accident. You are not an accident. Regardless of your, the way you were born or conceived, anything that surrounded that whole season of your life, no matter what was said to you, you were planned. God planned you. Even if your parents say, you, well, you weren't planned, God planned you. Listen, even if your parents didn't want you, God wanted you. God wanted you. He's called you and chosen you for such a time as this. Number three, if you're taking notes. When you walk in your purpose, it becomes clear to everyone that you're doing what God designed you to do. It becomes clear. And it's usually not right away. It usually takes some time, and it doesn't mean it will be easy. It's, it's, in fact, it's never easy. Can I just say that? I'm not going to pat it for you. It's never easy doing what God's called you to do. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would do it. But when you're walking in what God has called you to do, there's like a, I don't know any other word to use other than a grace. There's a grace to do it that sits on your life. God has given you that, and it's clear to not only you, but to your spiritual authority, your husband, your wife, your kids, the people you work with, they're like, that's what he was born to do. That's what she was born to do. Yeah, it's a combination of your gifts and your talents, but it's also a combination of Holy Spirit-led open doors that you walk through. But the road is never easy to get there, and it's never usually what you think it's going to be in order to get where God wants you to be. So today, if you're here and you find yourself a little bit outside of your natural skill set or a little bit outside of your natural talents or maybe what you went to school for, if you find yourself there, listen to me, it doesn't mean that you're not in your purpose. And it doesn't mean that you're not doing what God wants you to do. What I've learned so many times is God will delay me in order to grow me. He'll delay me from where he wants me to be to grow me so that I can handle what's coming in the next season. And so if you're here today and you're in that season, you can't, I know that season because I've been there and you feel like you're missing out. You feel like, man, what's happening here? This is no good. I'm, listen, God's got you where he wants you to be. And he's teaching you and growing you and giving you the experience that you need to do what God has called you to do. Now, I could stop there, but I'm going to keep going for a few moments because what I've learned is if you've been in church world for a while, what I'm teaching you today, it ain't new. Like you've heard stuff like this before. You've read stuff like this before. And the truth is today in our world, we have more life coaching than we've ever had, personality tests, personal consulting. We've had it more than we ever have done before. But the truth is this, it's still not working. It might help, but it's not working. And if we know all these things, then why are there so many people in the church of God today 
that still feel like they're not living a significant life or they're not walking in their purpose or, man, I just wish I could hear God's voice. What's the deal? And so after teaching things like this, preaching on things like this for years, I can tell you there is no magic pill. There's no magic pill. There's no secret recipe. There's no money back guarantee. There's no quick fix, no shortcuts. But there is a breakthrough. And the breakthrough is in you. And that's when you lay your plans, your wants, your needs, your desires at the foot of the cross and say, it's not about me. It's about you, Jesus. Whatever you want to do in me and through me, I give you permission to do it. Take me, use me, whatever you want to do, I am yours. I'm just telling you, that's going to help you if you'll get that posture. Let's go back to Luke 10 real quick. I didn't finish the story. In fact, one of the main characters of this next part of the story was named one of the top 100 most influential people in all of history. And most of us, in fact, all of us, none of us, know his name. We simply know him as the Good Samaritan. You know the Good Samaritan? You heard of this guy? That's maybe Good's his first name. Hey, here's Good. Good Samaritan. I don't know. You know, we're so familiar with the term Good Samaritan that it loses its power. Because in Jesus' time, Good Samaritan is like the ultimate oxymoron to the people that would have heard that. It's kind of like going, you know what, let's have a healthy donut. I'm like, sign me up for that. Like, show me, I will buy stock in healthy donuts. Come on, somebody. There ain't no such thing. It's like a jumbo shrimp. There you go. So you're like, oh, what's that mean? Okay, you'll get it, you'll get it, you'll get it. So this teacher of the law who asked Jesus these questions, listen, he doesn't want a relationship with Jesus. What does he want? He wants Jesus to validate his life. He wants Jesus to validate his works. He wants Jesus to validate his reputation. He wants to be affirmed by Jesus. And, and, and it really doesn't work like that. We got we to gotta do what Jesus says and add, and add us to him, not him to us. And so as, you, as we talk about your purpose, I want you to remember one thing. God never reveals it in just a short moment or even in one moment. How do you get there, Pastor? Stay the course. Stay the course. Wake up daily and go, hey, you know what? I'm going to have a relationship with you today. I'm going to love you today. I'm going to read your word today. I'm going to worship you today. It's revealed over time through the context of a relationship with Jesus. So many people, they try to discover and search out their own purpose in life. And then they figure it out and they just want to sprinkle Jesus like a topping on your street corn. Come on, somebody. That's not how Jesus works. And so Jesus knew what this guy was doing, this teacher of the law. He knew him. And so Jesus did something radical. If you're new to Jesus, Jesus is a radical person. It ain't all Jesus meek and mild. Jesus was a dude. Come on, somebody. And he messed some people up. So Jesus starts telling the stories like there was this man that was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's an 18-mile stretch between the two cities. And if you're familiar with the story, this man on this journey gets robbed. He gets mugged, robbed, beaten, and left for dead on the side of the road. And Jesus says a priest comes down this road, same road and sees the guy in a pool of blood fighting for his life. And what does the priest do? He goes, oh, let's, let's get on the other side of the road. And carries on walking. 
Then a Levite, which would be like a priest's assistant uh, or, or even better, one of the worship leaders, comes down the road too. And, and what does he do? He did what he saw his authority do, and he did the same thing. He saw the guy on the side of the road and said, whoa, I'm going to walk over here, and left the guy on the side of the road. Finally, Jesus said, a Samaritan comes along. Now, remember, Jesus was talking to the Jews, and at that time, the Jews believed that Samaritans were half-breeds, even non-people, one commentary says, the lowest of the low. So the ones who should have known what to do with this guy that was laying almost dead on the side of the road did not demonstrate God's love or Christ's compassion. And the one that nobody would have, would have counted on, the Samaritan, he stopped. He cared for this guy, paid from, of his own money for the care of this guy, and demonstrated Christ-like compassion for the guy on the side of the road. And Jesus finishes the story, talking to this teacher of the law, and he looks at him eyeball to eyeball and says, go and do likewise. Go and do the same thing, which would have been incredibly offensive to that guy. Because that guy, the teacher of the law, would have identified with the priest. He would have identified with the Levite. He certainly wouldn't have identified with the Samaritan. He didn't want to be that guy. I don't want to be associated with that guy. He wanted to know, I'm already good because of what I've done. I'm already good because of the law that I've memorized. I'm already good because of the way I live my life. Jesus did not say, believe this and you will live. He didn't say that. He says, go and do. Go and do. So don't fall into the trap of searching to understand your purpose, understand your destiny at the expense of simple, daily obedience to the Word of God. I'm going to say something. I'm going to put it on the screen, and it, it's a little bit of a punch, even to me. But I'm going to say it anyway. Too many Christians today are educated beyond their level of obedience. What do I mean by that? I mean, we know a lot of stuff. We've read a lot of stuff, studied a lot of stuff, been to a lot of places. But the fruit of what we're learning is lagging far, far, far behind. How are we doing with the last thing God called us to do? How are we doing with being faithful, available, teachable? How are we doing with tithing? How are we doing with discipleship? How are we doing with the basic things that God says, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ? If you guys will go to the very last scripture that I have, that's what I want to put up next. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21 says this, many are the plans. Do you have a lot of plans? Man, I do too. Like I'm, I'm helping my kids plan, you know, for the next season of their life. Many are the plans in a person's heart. Watch this. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Not mine, not yours, His it's almost like as we're running this race, someone says, hey, let me just tell you before you spend your life running, it's God's purpose that prevails, not yours. You know what that does for me? That gives me a, oh, okay. Whew. What if I stop striving for my purpose? What if I stop striving for my plans? If it's His that's gonna prevail in the end, what if I just go, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What are you saying? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? And I believe that God wants you to dream. So don't hear that. Don't walk out of here today going, well, 
Is, was he saying that we shouldn't have plans? We should, no, I think the plans and the dreams that are in here, listen to me now. I think your dad put them there. I think they're from him. But he doesn't want your plans and your dreams to become him. Let's not chase after our plans and chase after our dreams. And we don't even chase after the God that put them in our heart. Let's put him first, them second. If you want a meaningful, significant, purpose-filled life, I'm just telling you, I wish I knew this at 20. Trade your plans in for his. They're better, bigger, higher, better, 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 better. When you say yes to God. And I can't promise you, it's not a guarantee that God's going to make all your dreams come true. The Bible doesn't teach that. And I didn't say that. But what I can promise you for sure, his plans will prevail. His plans will prevail. I want to pray for you. If you bow your heads across this room, if you're watching online, would you pray with us right now? Come on. Father, we're thankful for your word today. And as we move into this summertime season and all the things that that brings, Father, we we don't take a break from you. We don't take a rest from being a follower of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray for a fruitful summer for all of us. I pray for just an intentional time with you this summer season. The school goes back in and things start firing back up in August, September. We'll be ahead of the game because we never took a nap. We kept going. We kept going. And so, Father, I'm thankful for your word today. Your word shapes us, and we, we, we give it permission to do that. We're thankful that your plans for us are good. They're not bad. They're not evil. They're good. And so, Father, we're thankful for our future, and we trust that you're already there. You're already in the future. And so we trust our plans to you. We trade our plans for yours in our lives. In Jesus' name.